Let's all stay in the book of Jude. And uh, I mentioned this morning that if God would let me, I was going to preach a message that uh, I had been praying about. I've had a message uh, for probably about seven months in my Bible, and I know that uh, time is coming close to preach that message. I don't know. Uh, just been holding on to it. I thought I'd preach it tonight, but I felt like the Lord would want me to go in a different direction, so that sermon will keep for another day. Amen. And uh, I think it's not just enough to preach, but you ought to have what God wants when He wants it. Amen. It's very timely. And uh, I was with a preacher one time. We was talking, and just a matter of opinion, I reckon. But I know that in my in my life, it's been timely truths that has helped me. And uh, so I want to be sensitive to that, and so I thought maybe I'd preach that message tonight, but we'll wait and do it at another time. I want to preach a few moments tonight from the book of Jude, and uh, I've preached a few messages out of uh, this book the last few weeks, really just skimming the surface. There's a lot more that could be and should be said, uh, but I've preached just kind of an overview of some things that uh, the Lord has spoke to our heart about. But tonight, for the sake of time, if you'll look with us in verse number 17 of the book of Jude, we'll begin reading in verse number 17 tonight. The Bible says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last times who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some having compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even their garments, spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Let's bow for prayer. Then you can be seated. Father, thank you tonight for the good singing that we've heard and most of all for your presence. Lord, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you, God, to speak to our heart. Give us liberty and vocabulary and help us, Lord, not to say or do anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. But, oh God, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray your name would be lifted up tonight. And, Lord, that we would see no man save Jesus only. And, Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for we ask it in Christ's precious name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach this last sermon out of this book tonight uh, where Jude is really dealing with two very important things. I know that uh, throughout the book of Jude he has dealt with that of apostasy and turning away from the truth and certainly that's the day that we're living in when so many have turned away from truth and Paul spoke about that when he said preach the word. He said be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come, and it has, amen, when they shall, the Bible said they shall not endure sound doctrine. That's the day we're living in. But shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That means to tickle the ears. And shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. He said to Timothy, he said, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. He said, For the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, finished my course, and kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me. And thank God 
not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Amen? And that's evidence of salvation tonight. If you're saved, you'll love the looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jude is dealing with that very same thing of apostasy, where people are turning away from the truth. They're changing course. And so he comes down to the close of this epistle. He's identified the apostates. Uh, He's told us who they are. He's told us what they'll do. And he's told us what God will do in the book or in verse number 14, how that Enoch prophesied that judgment is coming on all those uh, that turn away their ears from the truth. But now as he closes this book out, he wants to leave two things with us tonight that I want to preach on one of them. First of all, he wants to tell us how to keep from falling. And then secondly, he lays out a blueprint or a pattern for seven marks tonight of a soul winner. Amen. I'll tell you, if you want to keep from falling, you need to go after those who are falling. Amen. If you want to keep from falling in these last days, have a burden for sinners that are dying and going to hell without God. And so with the help of the Lord, I want to preach on that subject tonight on seven marks of a soul winner. Seven marks of a soul winner tonight. Just by way of introduction, let me mention this and I'll move on. Jude tells us how to keep from falling. And he says in verse number 17, if you want to keep from falling into apostasy, he said, number one, you need to remember God's word. Amen. He said, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last days who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Now, if you want to keep from falling tonight, the first thing you need to do is remember the word of God. Amen. The more this Bible you know and the more this Bible that I know, then the greater chances are that we're not going to fall in the last days. Amen. Secondly, not only did he say remember uh, the word of God, but he said build your Christian life. Amen. He said in verse number 20, but ye beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith. If you're going to keep from falling, then you got to do some building in your Christian life. You see, a lot of people get saved, they get baptized, they join the church, and then that's as far as they go. Friend, there's, all those are commendable and wonderful things, but you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to build some things in my life, and so you've got to work in your Christian life, grow as a Christian. No one can make you grow. No one can force you to grow. As you was growing up, your mother, your father, they didn't open your mouth and shove food in you. Uh, listen, you they put the plate before you, but there come a time after they quit feeding you when you got old enough to feed yourself, the responsibility was on your shoulders and on mine. And it's that way in the Christian life. God can't bottle feed us to the grave. Amen. There comes a time when we have to learn to grow and to feed ourselves. And so he said, build your Christian life. Then he says, exercise discernment in verse 22 and 3. Have compassion, making a difference. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. You've got to go beyond yourself and see others that have need and discern the need in the lives of others. And that will keep you from falling. And then he said, commit yourself to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. I just want to stop and say this tonight. I can't keep myself. I can't, listen, I can't pull myself along. I can do what God wants me to do, but at the end of the day, I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his love. I need his protection. I need his refuge. I need him to help me along the way. And the only way to do that, friend, is commit your way unto the Lord. Listen, you got to sell out lockstock 
stock and barrel and say, I'm going to serve Jesus not halfway, not part of the way, but I'm going to go all the way. If none go with me, still I will follow Jesus. Amen? And so these are some things that will help you and I to keep from falling tonight. But what about these marks of a soul winner? I think when you come to the end of this book here, that if there's anything that ought to pierce our heart tonight because we know the truth, because we've not fallen into false doctrine and false beliefs tonight, what if there's anything you and I ought to be doing as Christians tonight, we ought to be telling other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, I'm glad I go to an old-fashioned church. I'm glad I go to church where people sing and shout and testify and pray and preach. Amen. But if that's all there is to this tonight, then we're missing the mark. Amen. The Great Commission is not go sing, shout, preach, and pray and have a good time. And you know I'm for that tonight. But the heartbeat of God is missions. Amen. The heartbeat of God is going after souls. The most important thing hanging on the wall of this church is not that, that beautiful picture of that cross. It's not the church covenant. Amen. I'll tell you the most important thing hanging on this wall to God is them little pieces of paper out there in that slot, those slots tonight because that's how the gospel gets around the world. And we're to give our money to send missionaries. Uh, we're to give our time and to take tracts and to pass out tracts uh, and to tell people about Jesus uh, and then we're to live our life in a way that the world sees Christ in us. Amen. Now testimony matters. Can I get a witness tonight? The things I say, the way I live, and the things I do, I can, I can present Jesus and I can preach Jesus, but if my life goes in another direction, if my life is no different than those uh, uh, that I'm living around, if I live like they do, then the world has no confidence in Christianity. Amen. It's so sad today. That's where we're at, isn't it? And I believe testimony is, it makes a difference. Paul said in Philippians chapter number 2 and in verse number 11, he said that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I've not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And he said that she may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in this world. What the Bible is saying here is that you and I tonight is that we're to be examples before others. Amen. We're to witness to others, not just with word, but with our life. Amen. So what are the marks of a, of a soul winner tonight? I see them in this text and I'll give them to you and be done tonight. I want to say the first mark of a soul winner has already been mentioned in verse 21, but it's this mark of building. Amen. He said, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. What is Jude talking about? When he says building up yourself, he's not talking about lifting up ourselves, but he's talking about building up ourselves. You see, we're to be small, amen? Uh, there's a lot of men that are too big to be little for God, but what God needs is some men that'll be little enough or big enough to be, or they're too little to be big for God, but God needs some men that will be little and say, by the grace of God, I don't want to be big. I want people to see Jesus in me, amen? The world does not need to see me tonight. The world needs to see Christ. Amen. They need to look at us and they need to see Jesus living in our life. Amen. Now the world can't see Jesus in you and I if we don't dress right. Somebody say amen. I know that's an unpopular subject and I know that it makes people mad but I'm going to preach it anyway. Amen. Because somebody ought to say something about it. And while I'm on the subject, I'm not talking to visitors, I'm not talking to lost people, but church members ought to dress right seven days a week. Somebody say amen. And especially when you come to the house of God. And can I just mention this while I'm preaching? Uh, all these, uh, I asked my wife the other day, I said, what's all these pantyhose these women are wearing? Amen. That are like ultra thick. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
She said they're leggings. Can I tell you something about leggings? They're not qualified. They don't qualify you to wear a short skirt above your knees. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, I'm not going to chase the world down. They do what they want to. But if you're a member of a church, you sing in the choir, you sing on a platform, your, your, knee, your, your dress ought to go to the bottom of your knee. I don't care if you wear leggings or not. That's not a, that's not a pass to wear a short skirt or dress. Somebody say amen. You say, preacher, why do you preach it that tight? Because if you let it get a little bit above, guess what? It'll go further, friend. I don't want that in the house of God. I want what pleases God, don't you? I'm not being a Pharisee. I'm not being a smart aleck. I'm just simply saying we got to keep it right and keep it tight if we're going to please God, amen? And the truth is, none of us, including this preacher, we ain't tight enough, amen? We'll never get to heaven one day and God say, well, you're just a little bit too straight or you're just a little bit too holy. Now, I don't want to have a Pharisaical spirit I'm not better than nobody else, but we ought to keep modesty in the house of God. Amen. And if you live modest every day, then it's not a problem on Sunday. Amen. But you got to build up. You got to build some things in your life. Thank God for preaching. Amen. Preaching will build some things in your life. Just like what I mentioned there. If you're guilty, change it. Amen. Stop it tonight and change it. Preaching will help you. Amen. A lot of things in my life, the man of God would get up and mention and he would preach it. And I'm so thankful, Brother George, I didn't get mad. I just accepted it. Amen. Because I realized that preacher ain't trying to hurt me. He loves me enough to tell me the truth truth and he wants to help me and I believe God's men if they're really God's men they're not interested in hurting nobody they want to help people amen but friend you've got to grow as a Christian and you've got to get in the Bible and you've got to read your Bible systematically you need to memorize scripture it'll keep your heart and your life right and you need to, you need to be a godly example before this world building up yourself on your most what holy faith now how do I build faith Romans 10, 17, the Bible said for uh, the word of God says uh, for the uh, he, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're not going to build faith uh, any other way than to get in the Bible. Amen. Memorize that book. You See, you and I never know what we're going to face in a day. And that's why we need to tuck as much scripture in here and let it get down in here because the tempter comes to every one of us on a daily basis. Uh, and the only way for me to overcome the devil is by the pages of the word of God. I may not always have a Bible around, but I can have it in my heart. Somebody say amen. And so you ought to memorize scripture. You ought to study. You ought to read it. You ought to keep it close by and build up your faith. That's the mark of a soul winner is that they know the word of God. Amen. You see, I don't want to be the kind of witness that when I witness to somebody and they want to get saved, I have to call somebody else. And say, can you tell this person how to be saved? You'd be surprised people sitting in church tonight that don't know how to tell somebody how to be saved. And I believe you ought to give your testimony and your salvation experience, but I'm going to be honest with you tonight. We're dealing with a different generation. People don't know the Word of God in America like they used to. And they have not only that, but they have been told so many other things 
that you have to take your Bible. There was a time when a sinner, and they may come to the altar still, and, and people, you pray with them, and you, you don't always have to take your Bible and talk to people when they've heard the preaching, but I'm telling you, that's changing before our eyes. There are people coming to the altar now that sometimes you have to take a Bible out because they've not heard any preaching. They don't know anything. Uh, they've, the only sermon they may have heard is the one they listened to that day, but you've got to have some scriptures tucked away so that you can tell them what God said in that, in that word and give them chapter and verse and say, well, the Bible says this. It's not a matter of my opinion, but you've you got to build yourself up. You can't win nobody if you're not in the Word of God. The first mark of a soul winner is building. The second mark of a soul winner in verse number 20 is that of praying. Notice what he said. Not just building up your holy faith, but he said praying in the Holy Ghost. If you're going to win somebody to Jesus, you've got to be a person of prayer. I think we ought to go and we ought to knock on doors. But we got to pray. Y'all with me tonight? We got to pray for sinners. We got to pray conviction on their soul. And they'll never get under conviction if we don't sow the word of God. But we ought to sow prayers as we're giving the word of God to them. We'll write their name down and pray for them for their salvation. And, and we ought to pray for our family members who are unsaved. We ought to pray for church members that may be lost. And we ought to pray for, for others. And, and, and a, a real soul winner is a prayer warrior. Amen. There's somebody that realizes that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And you and I, we ought to go and we ought to sow the gospel. But at the end of the day, there's a work that we cannot do. There's a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. You may have a tough case tonight. Somebody that you say, preacher, I've been trying to witness to this person and they just won't get saved. They won't even listen to anything I've got to say. Well, when's the last time you prayed for them? When's the last time you just said, God, open that door? I think you gotta have an open door to witness to some people. There are people that we ought to just give them the gospel and we ought to always just push the door open at all times and, and talk to them. But there are certain people that it takes time and it takes discernment. I was thinking about somebody that me and my wife was talking to this afternoon that we was witnessing to this lady and as we was witnessing to her, it was very evident that she was of a, of a false religion. And so because of that, I just kind of said a little bit and gave her a track. Because there's going to be another opportunity real soon for me and her to talk to her again. And so I didn't want to dump the whole load on her, so to speak, in the, in the first bit. I just gave her enough as far as what I could see for her to possibly think about. And I said, Lord, when we go back, will you open that door a little bit more for us to talk to her? Amen. You see, the old timers had it right. You can't plow, plant, and sow, and water, and reap all in the same day. Amen. It takes time to win some people. They have to have time to process the Word of God. There are those people that hear the gospel for the first time, and they just get saved. But not everybody that is that way. And so a, a soul winner has to be a prayer, a person of prayer, an individual that has discernment to know when to say something and when not to say something. Preaching the gospel to a sinner is a lot like preaching the word of God to anybody. If you say something that God didn't want you to say, then you've hindered more than you have helped and possibly could hinder them for eternity's sake. Building and praying. And then I see in verse number 21, another mark of a soul winner is that they're keeping. Look what the word of God says. Keeping yourself in the love of God. Do you know what that means tonight? To keep yourself you know, I really can't keep, I can't keep my salvation tonight. Can I get an amen? I can't keep a whole lot of things, Brother George. But God said there is something you can do. You can keep yourself in the love of God. You say, how do you do that, preacher? You have a relationship with the Lord. 
Amen. I think about old brother Barnes. He's not here uh, tonight. He's, uh, he, he's uh, homesick, and I took him with me this week, and uh, that crowd had never been around anybody like him. And uh, we, we, I mean, I'd be sitting there at the house, uh, off in a room somewhere, praying and studying, and he'd be over in the living room reading his Bible, and all of a sudden he'd just go to shouting. Just him and God in the living room. I'd say, what you shouting about now? And he'd start telling me something. Next thing I know, boy, I mean, he'd just be having a time. And we'd go out to the restaurant, and the preacher would start saying something. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you keep talking. He's going to shout right here in the Mexican restaurant. He kept on talking, and sure enough, he got happy, and he got to running out, and he got to shout, and people was looking at it. I told the preacher, I said, now, if you don't mean it, don't talk to him about it, amen. <laughs> he said, what's wrong with him? He's keeping himself in the love of God. You just say Jesus, and he's excited, amen. He sat there two nights in the meeting, and I could tell he's about to bust. He didn't know the church, didn't know the preacher. And so Wednesday night, I got up to preach. I said, Pastor, it'll be okay for Brother Barnes to give a word of testimony. I mean, he didn't even get the word yes out, and Brother Barnes was done out in the aisle testifying, amen. And then he testified Wednesday night and Thursday and Friday night. He didn't even ask permission, amen. He just got up and got to testify. You say, what's wrong with him? He loves God, amen. And I look at people sitting in church all the time, stone-faced and dried up on the vine and dead. Hey, do you love God tonight? Amen. He's wonderful. Amen. Every time we go to church, we ought to shout and praise God and raise our hand. And listen, a preacher don't got to pull a rabbit out of the hat every Sunday. God's good. Amen. The book is good. Them songs are good. And if our relationship with him is right and good, I can say amen to the truth. I can say amen to the singing. I'm telling you, don't it just feel good to be in church on a Sunday night? I can tell you this, it feels good to be in Bible. Bible Baptist on a Sunday night uh, and to feel the presence of God uh, and to be in a good church and hear the word of God sung and preached about. I'm telling you, we want to keep ourselves in the love of God. Don't ever get stale on God in church. You, you don't have to act like me, but don't lose your joy. Don't lose your, don't lose your love for God. I mean, Jesus ought to be sweet every day of your life. He ought to be what gets you up in the morning and what causes you to go to bed at night. You ought to sing to him going down the road. You ought to pray to him in the morning time. When your eyes open up, he ought to be the first person you say or talk to. You ought to say, hello, Lord. Thank you, God, for another day. He ought to pray yourself to sleep at night and let him be the last person you talk to when you close your eyes because he might be the first person you see on the next morning. Thank God the next sunrise. I'm saying keep yourself in the love of God. Hallelujah. Stay fired up. Hallelujah. You don't got to, listen, nobody's got to keep you fired up. You ought to keep yourself fired up for God. And then I see the fourth mark is looking. Amen. What are you looking for? What's a soul winner looking for? Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me go back and just say this about that other point. I want to say this one more thing. If you're keeping yourself in the love of God, you see, soul winning is a duty when you're not keeping yourself in the love of God. It's an obligation. But when you do it because you love Jesus, it's automatic. It's just automatic. i got to tell somebody today. He's been too good to me not to tell somebody about the goodness of God. And then looking, what are we looking for? Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, soul winners are always looking for mercy. I think about the mercy God showed on me. You think about the mercy that He showed on you. You know what it'll make us want to do? Go out and tell somebody about the mercy of God. 
Amen. Somebody says, how are you doing? Isn't it just automatic in your mind better than I deserve? Amen. The good thanks to Jesus. Amen. Just a little phrase like that sows the word of God in somebody's heart. Soul winners are looking for the mercy of God. In fact, it's hard to be tough on people. It's hard to be negative toward people. I, I know people don't do right because you and I don't always do right. But I'm telling you, it's hard not to, uh, it's easier to not be so pharisaical to people when you realize how much mercy you need every day just to get through the day. And brother, I'm telling you, I need mercy from the time I open my eyes until I go to bed. Amen. And brother, one of these days when I get to heaven, ain't going to be a whole lot of things I thought I had right and God's going to straighten me out. And I'll, that'll be a blessed day. Hallelujah. Uh, but until then, I want to show mercy on other people. When I see an old drunk, I don't want to laugh at that drunk. I want to see a sinner that needs a gospel. When I see an old long-haired hippie, I don't want to see a long-haired hippie. I want to see a soul that needs the gospel. Amen. They need Jesus just like we do. And the mercy of God is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Hallelujah. I'm thankful for His mercy, aren't you? Don't you thank God that He showed mercy on your old soul? God could have let every one of us went to hell and still been God. He could have let you and I have been born on the backside of nowhere and never seen a missionary, never attended one church service, never seen a Bible or a gospel track. But I'm telling you, God, for whatever reason, through His mercy and His grace, He let us be born in America, hear the gospel, and be in an old-fashioned church. That ought to be enough to get us up every day and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Amen. The mark of a soul winner is they're looking for the mercy of our Lord. And then another mark is verse number 22. He is that they're making a difference. I'm going to tell you why God left us here after he saved us. It's not to make a name. It's to make a difference. I'm telling you, Christianity has been sold by too many people trying to make a name. I tell you, I want to make a difference, don't you? Brother, I'm telling you, the songwriter had it right when he said if just one soul was to walk down the aisle, it would be worth a lifetime of labor. It would be worth every trial. He said if just one soul is rescued, he said it'll be worth it all. You know, if that soul was your son or your daughter, it'd be worth it, wouldn't it? If that soul was my son, my daughter, my grandchild, it would be worth it tonight. Tonight. I want to say our responsibility, the mark of a soul winner, is they're not trying to make a name. They're not trying to be famous. They're not even trying to be seen. They're just trying to make a difference. When you reach in that pocket, and you pull that track out and you hand it to somebody, you're just trying to make a difference. They may slam the door in your face or they may say, I don't even want to hear what you got to say, but I promise you, you made a difference in their life. They may crumble it up and throw it down, but they'll never be the same. Because the gospel was presented to the mark of a soul winner. Do you want to make a difference? Don't, don't blend in today. We live in a society that they're trying to get everybody to blend in. They're trying to, they're trying to move our churches in a direction. And I'm talking about both without and within are trying to move. What about churches today? They're trying to have a church that does not offend the world. It's impossible. Jesus said they hated me. They're going to hate you. To be a light, guess what you got to do? You got to stand against darkness, friend. Amen. If you're going to be a light, that means you got to shine against something. Amen. 
And you're not shining against light. We're shining against darkness. Amen. I'll tell you what this church is on the side of the road. It's a light in a dark world. The world passes by. They know we're having church. Amen. People may come in and they may attend a service and say, I don't want anything else to do with that. You know why? Because they can't stand the light. The Bible said some men love darkness because their deeds are evil. But friend, if you're saved, you've been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Don't it feel good to be in light? Amen. I'm telling you, if I was to turn all these lights out in this room, not a one of us would like it. Amen. But I'm telling you to have the light on. It makes it where you can see. It makes things visible. It brings things in the view. People are just happier in the light. Amen. I'll tell you about 30 years ago, I stepped out of darkness and I stepped into the light. Amen. I'm glad I saw the light one day. I stepped into the light of God's word and the light of his salvation. And my life has been brighter ever since I met Jesus Christ. But there's a brighter day coming, friend, when there'll be no more shadows. There'll be no more darkness. But until then, let's rescue the pairing. Let's care for the dying. Let's pull somebody out of the flames of hell tonight. And I see here that a mark of a soul winner is they're making a difference. And then verse 23, they're pulling them out of the fire. What's the mark of a soul winner? They're pulling people. They're always pulling somebody. They're always, you know, if you're going to pull somebody, you know what you got to do? You got to reach out to them. You can't pull nobody from the fire standing here hoping they'll reach out to you and get a hold of you. No, you got to go to where they're at. You got to reach out. You got to make an effort. You got to get a hold of them. You got to get to where they're at. That's why we have visitation. That's why we have tracks. That's why we give to missions and, and send missionaries out. And you know why? Because we want to pull somebody out of the fire. That's why we have a jubilee, amen. We want to pull somebody out of the fire. We want to win some soul. And I want to tell you, if one person gets saved the week of jubilee, guess what? It's worth $100,000, amen. I'm telling you, listen, I don't want a big bank account, do you? We're not interested in just stockpiling money for the Antichrist. You know what we want to do? We want to save toward a goal. But when everything's bought and paid for, guess what? We want to pour every diamond dollar we can into getting the gospel as far out into every region and every hill and every hilltop and every continent and getting the word of God in the, in the hearts and the hands of the bond and the free, the rich and the poor, the black man, the white man, the yellow man. I want everybody to hear the gospel, amen. Send it behind the iron curtain, amen. Send it to Russia, amen. Send it over to Czechoslovakia. Send it, my friend, to Red China. Send the word of God anywhere and everywhere. We can send it and get out of this old world with some souls and a stand at the judgment seat and say, praise God, we made a difference. We pulled somebody out of the fire, hallelujah. That Wednesday night offering, amen, that we take at the back door. I'm telling you, every dime you put in is what it's for. It's to send the gospel around the world to regions that have never heard it and never seen. And every bit of money that we put in that offering plate on Wednesday night, listen, it goes to tell somebody the old, old story about Jesus Christ, amen. I believe this tonight. I believe we'll stand at the judgment seat one day. And there'll be people that'll walk up to us. Or maybe it'll be in heaven. I don't know, but somewheres. We're going to have the privilege, Brother Mike, of meeting people that we never saw them down here. And they're going to say, you don't know me. And I didn't, don't know you. But you gave, the, you gave the money that sent the missionary that preached the gospel. Brother Ben Andrews showed me a, a video the other day. He sent me of over 100 people in that little old church. And they were all singing. They didn't want to have a, 
a musical instrument. I think a man had a guitar in one of the clips, but in one of them they didn't even have a guitar. And so they didn't have no music. But you know what they was doing? They had about 10 people sitting on the front row while they was singing, and they was clapping their hands to a timing. And I was listening to that. I thought, them people just clapping and praising God. But I realized that was their music. That was their orchestra. And boy, I'm telling you, that little old church, uh, I mean, nothing more than just a little old building in the jungle. They had it packed out. I mean, over a hundred people and there's a lifting their voice up and a singing. I'm telling you, them folks didn't have anything. They weren't sitting in a nice air-conditioned building. They weren't sitting on padded pews. Some of them sitting on a concrete floor. And listen, they didn't have fancy clothes or anything like that. They didn't have nice chandeliers. Uh, oh, but they had Jesus. Amen. I couldn't understand a word there was a saying or a singing. Uh, but Brother Brian, I'll tell you what, when they got to singing, they got to singing one song, I started identifying with the hymn, amen. Oh, I'm telling you, and God bless my soul. I told Brother Ben, I said, that makes me want to send more money. It makes me want to pray that much more. And thank God that's the mark of a soul winner. Let's pull somebody out of the fire, hallelujah. And I close with this thought tonight. The final mark of a soul winner, verse number 25, is praising The Bible said to the only wise God and our Savior be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. You know what the mark of a soul winner is? Is that they're constantly praising the Lord. I'm glad we praise God in church. But if the only time we praise God's in church, we're we're way behind. I think it's far more beneficial to praise God out there before the world to testify of the goodness of God. I I think saved people, we ought to be the happiest people on planet earth. We ought to not be like the world tonight. Brother Danny quoted the verse of scripture about the children of Israel this morning and how that they were in Babylonian captivity and the Babylonians said, sing us a song and they sat down by the rivers of Babylon and hung their harps on the willow trees and said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Do you know tonight they could have done that? And what a testimony it would have been if the heathen would have said, sing us, sing us one of them songs that you sang to Jehovah. Could you imagine a million, two million Jews taking harps on the rivers of Babylon and, and taking them harps and all of a sudden, I'm going to tell you something, you talk about putting the enemy on the run, friend. It, it probably would have shattered the walls of Babylon had they sung it. But they didn't. They hung their harps on the willows. I'm so afraid that happens to us so much in church. In times when we could be thankful and we could be appreciative, in times we ought to be praising God and we ought to just be happy. Many times we've hung our harps on the willows and the world sees us no different than anybody else. I remember a man that every time you would ask him, say, well, I'd say, brother, I said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing great, thanks to Calvary. You know, sometimes I just ask him how he's doing because I like to hear him say that. I say, how you doing, brother? He said, I'm doing great, thanks to Calvary. He didn't care who you was every time. It didn't matter. You ought to see the look on some people's faces. But when sinners say, well, how you doing? I'm doing great, thanks to Calvary. It puts a mark, doesn't it? You know what he was doing? He was praising God. I'm telling you, people need to see that in their life. Young people. You ought to get in the habit of praising God every day. David said seven times a day, will I praise thy name. How much praising have we done lately while we stand? I don't want to be known for being anything famous or anything great. 
I don't want no accolades tonight. I don't think you do neither. I tell you, if there's anything we ought to be known for, it's just winning souls. It's just telling people about Jesus. It's not about great abilities or great ministries or great anything. It's just about a great God who rescued us from the flames of hell. Lord, help me to be a witness to somebody this week. Lord, help me to just be conscious that I'm going to rub shoulders and elbows with people this week that are going to hell. Lord, help me to say something. Help me to do something. Help me to live my life in a way that when people see me, it will remind them of Jesus Christ. And while we sing tonight, Brother David, what page are we going to sing? If you'll get a songbook, page 169. If you need to use the altar, come tonight. If not, let's sing this song.